Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Adam Dorsey, a psychologist in Silicon Valley and the host of Super Psyched, a podcast dedicated to supercharging your life. Each episode contains fun, high-quality interviews with experts looking at psychology from all angles. Super Psyched is your tool to get more of what you want in your life and less of what you don't. It wasn't long ago that the notion of the mind-body connection was considered kind of new agey. It was as if the mind and the body were two totally separate systems that had very little to do with each other. Now, with contributions from scientific research, wisdom-based traditions, and modern psychotherapy, the mind-body connection isn't even questioned. Still, there's a lot to learn about how our bodies and minds connect, and I'm so glad I got to have this conversation with psychotherapist and dance instructor, Rachel Fleischman. Rachel is a seasoned therapist who does both traditional individual and couple therapy, but who also integrates talk therapy with movement. As you will hear, she is wise, fun, and extremely skilled in pulling her information from various sources that contribute to her knowledge base. If you're a fan of movement and want to learn more about how it can be a component of psychological healing, this episode is for you. As a bonus, you'll hear me stretch my own comfort zones as I engage in a live demo with Rachel. So listen in as Rachel and I geek out to psychotherapy and movement. Rachel Fleischman, a hearty welcome to Super Psyched. Thank you, Adam Dorsey. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, so great. And I love your work. I've been listening to you for some time and just kind of getting to know how you think and how you have such a wonderful approach to the mind-body connection through movement and bliss, something that can get eye rolls, sadly, and something that I want to make sure the audience realizes is something we shouldn't ever dial back on in this lifetime. We're only alive for a little while. Let's maybe not eye roll on bliss, but we'll get to that in a little bit. First off, the mind-body connection, I'm just going to give you a little background for me. Years ago, when it was kind of a new concept, there were a lot of skeptics. Like, there's no, you know, Morrissey saying from the Smiths, does the body rule the mind or does the mind rule the body? I don't know. It's kind of this Cartesian split question. And Bill Moyers back in the 90s did a really good series on the mind-body connection. Years later, I would be working with people who were somaticizing. I had a guy who had just been broken up with his girlfriend. He had idiopathic pain in his testicles and he got checked out. They were fine. And I suggested there might be a psychological component around grief and even worked with a guy with erectile dysfunction. It turns out, it seems that it's almost like we are indespicable me with minions inside of us who are listening to our bodies and they're either cheering for us or they're saying boo. I was wondering, how did you get into mind-body approaches and what have you observed? Adam, I love everything you just said. Oh gosh, I have so much to say. It's funny, I was putting my hand on my chest when you mentioned the heartbreak because I was sort of being basic and thinking about the heartbreaking. I got into this because in some ways, I think this has been saving me for so long in that I didn't love all the heady stuff of life and school and the day-to-day. -day. I wanted to move my body. I was an extremely shy kid, and I went through some difficulty as a little kid, kind of finding my way in the world, feeling other, feeling different. But something would happen when I would move my body that was so pleasurable through dance, through movement, not just walking, not gymnastics, but something in the world of dance 
has always felt, and I don't mean great dance. I don't mean I was taking classes and being amazing. <laughs> Not a ballerina necessarily, but just enjoying yes, yes. being in your body while you were in your body. I have always found that to be so empowering, so amazing, so incredible. It lifts me. And I've seen this in my clients and I see this in my students for over two decades now. It takes us out of the everyday. What you're describing with your clients totally makes sense. And I could go on and on about the different men that I see who I'm working with at times around erectile dysfunction and things like that. I find that really challenging, by the way. And I wouldn't just say to them, just go dance, dance your place <laughs> and everything will work. There's a lot more to it than just dancing and just bliss. There is something about listening to what's happening in the body. Like right now, I'm incredibly excited to be here and I'm nervous. So my body temperature went zoop. Mm. It's really up. My cheeks get a little bit red. The blood is doing something, not fight or flight, but you know how you talk about your name and people called you enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Enthusi yeah, enthusiasm, right. So there's a little <laughs> bit of that. My nervous system is just saying right now, Go get him, kiddo. You've got this. Don't mess up, right? I think there was a commercial in the 90s, don't let him see you sweat. Yep. Well, you might see me sweat. <laughs> and you might see me sweat right back. And that's back. beautiful. And, and one of the things that I love around the study of anxiety is that there are optimal levels of anxiety. Not being anxious enough might mean you, you just don't care. I like thinking of it as kind of a, like a rocket ship. If it has sufficient flame under its rear end, it will take off. Too much, it implodes upon takeoff. Just the right amount, it will leave the stratosphere. And that's kind of true with Anxiety, if it matters, we yes. are going to be by yes. nature anxious. Amen. Amen. Let's talk for a second. There are times when it becomes suboptimal to have anxiety. What are some of your favorite quick go-to tricks with the body that can bring down anxiety? Sure. And I definitely have my own history with anxiety that will probably always be a part of me. There are a couple of things that we can do right in the moment. And one of them, amazingly enough, the Navy SEALs have taught us. Well, I'm certainly not a Navy SEAL. I'm not carrying boats on my back. What I think is amazing is that we can kick up our wonderful parasympathetic nervous system beautifully. So if we take a big breath and if we try to do it low in the belly, not just up, because when we're anxious, we're just breathing so shallowly right up in the chest, right? But if we take that nice big breath and hold it on full, and I think our wonderful SEALs do, is it 478 or 488? Right. Well, I ain't going to be like a SEAL. I'm going to mm. do something like four three, and five. And I like that because I don't want to hold it on full for too long, right? Because that's just going to be difficult. So I'm going to hold it. And then when I let it out, when I release, there's for me, and I'm sure you can feel this as well, this absolutely feel good kind of glow. Let's try it. So we're going to inhale. And of course, if you're driving, maybe save this for when you're <laughs> at home. You, thank you. Thank you. Don't try this while driving. So we inhale and we hold it on full. And then we exhale like we're blowing out birthday candles. Not into the mic, perhaps. Right, 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 right. And what's beautiful is if I do this three times or if I do this four times or five times, I'm actually going to feel a little sleepy, a little bit yawny, perhaps, and most definitely relaxed. In fact, when I do this in sessions with people, I can see it. I can see the body relax. So that's one thing. I also think skin on skin is beautiful. Noticing what happens when we just touch the body. Touching our own happens, body. Touching our own body. Noticing what happens if I just bring my warm hand to my warm heart. Instantly, I'm feeling something. So <laughs> there's that cuddle hormone, oxytocin happening. And sometimes I will do that if I'm struggling. And my husband will be like, why are you doing that? Why are you, why you've got your hand on your boobs, darling? 
Yeah, well, you know, it kind of feels good. That warm hand to warm hand, Adam, is so incredible. So not being afraid to be there with touch is wonderful. There can be some self-massage that a person can do that's incredible. There's also a whole bunch of movements that help insomnia. That's a different animal, right? But it's amazing. Downward dog can be extremely successful if a person's waking up in the middle of the night to move into that stretch and also cat and cow. Isn't that cool? That's beyond cool. First of all, I'm a huge fan. I want to just endorse your idea. And by the way, folks, the parasympathetic is the part of the autonomic nervous system that's responsible for rest and digest. And the sympathetic is more associated with fight flight when the blood kind of moves to our extremities so that we can actually get on the move. Both of them are super important. But when we live too much in that sympathetic space, it may curb our ability to sleep or to eliminate or to digest all those things that we need to do as well. And Dr. Andrew Wheel once said something to corroborate what you were just saying, and that is that the answer is right under our nose. And personally, I go to Kaiser for my medicine and I have a three o'clock appointment and I get there at 258 just barely. And the first thing I do is shove a blood pressure cuff on me and I do the breathing that you just suggested and I bring down my blood pressure immediately. Sometimes I will see what it is as a baseline of what I when I first get in, I say to the tech, would you please measure me again? And just after a few rounds of those breathings that you just suggested, it goes down to normal. I've never seen the self-provided skin on skin. And I was doing it while you were saying that. And I was feeling my heart rate go down. I was feeling the calmness. I'm doing it right now. It's absolutely phenomenal. So you can let Ben know that I'm doing it too. (laughs) And the idea, sometimes many people I work with, and I suffer from this too, sometimes that, you know, 3am pee that you have, and you go to the bathroom, and then you go to bed, and suddenly automatic thoughts start occurring. And it keeps us from being able to sleep. I am going to try some downward facing dog next time. And perhaps, you know, a cat cow, I'll of course, go out of the room. So my wife doesn't have to hear me doing whatever it is that I'm doing to try to get back to sleep. This is a great tip. And I love that you have actually been living this and that you are recognizing that, you know, you're an intellectual. I know this. You've, you came in stacked with books and you also appreciate the wisdom of the body, recognizing that our behaviors can generate our thoughts and feelings, which has been corroborated multiple times through science. And it's maybe our fastest way in. It's our fastest way in. I also use a cheat, which is singing and music. There is nothing like a great beat. And there is nothing like that. And if the anxiety is just mild enough, right? If you're above a threshold, it's really tough. But if it's very mild, something soothing, and we've got so much good stuff out there, can be really lovely. I've been delighted that the young people have, not just young, but they have ASMR, right? Love it. They love it. And at first I was like, wow, they're, you know, using their, you know, gadgets and machines to calm down. Can't they just go out in nature? But you know what? The stuff works. The little cozy, the cozy feeling of the coffee shop that you watch and you're listening to raindrops and things like that. So listening and sound when you couple that with the body. Now, ASMR, some people who are listening may be familiar, some may not be familiar. I'm a fan. What is ASMR? Do you have any understanding of like how it works? It's so trippy. It's so amazing. I love your question. ASMR stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And they say it's a term used to describe this like tingling, goosebumpy sensation in response to specific triggering audio or visual stimuli. So I don't get 
the twiddly diddly feelings, but have you ever watched in a bakery someone ice a cake? Or of course, Bob Ross oh, Bob. paintings. Thank you. Thank so, you. By the way, even my children love Bob Ross. <laughs> so awesome. So awesome. Paintings, the stroke. I could also watch someone write. That's a visual ASMR. There is something satisfying about sound. Come on. Give me some birds tweeting any day of the week. The sound of the Coke can opening. Adam, how delicious. The sound of the pouring it. The Pepsi commercial. I love it. All of these sounds bring us something. There's even an ASMR a famous woman who eats crunchy pickles. I love that. It isn't everyone's jam. So find a sound that's soothing for you. As a matter of fact, Adam has a, provided a fantastic microphone. You can listen to voice and of course, and be soothed. Weren't you as a child soothed by someone, re- if you were lucky enough, by someone reading to you yes. or singing to you? What could be more delicious? So to add to the self-soothe, if you want to hum to yourself, that can also be extremely self-soothing. I know some of these things we can't do when we're at work, but you can go into the bathroom and self-soothe a little bit there. I love that so much. And birdsong has actually been something articulated by somebody by the name of Julian Treasure, maybe the most watched TED Talks of all time. He's blessed my podcast. He wrote a book called How to Be Heard. And he talks about the fact that birdsong, which is now somewhat depleted in our environment, sadly, has been one of the ways that we have been able to maintain our mental health. So you make some really good points. ASMR, though, is such a great way of regulating our autonomic nervous system. And I'm a big fan of nature as well. I'm a big fan of what works. And this is something that's available to us. One of the ways that our smartphones can actually make us smarter because actually being able to relax will make us smarter. One of the things that you are also a proponent of, and I love this idea, is 18-minute naps. Let's talk about this. I'm sure your listeners are humans who do a lot. So many of us do yes, a lot. Do. You need to lie the body down. Even you, Adam, who loves to do, we need to rest. It's kind of like Newton under the apple tree. It promotes flow. It promotes creativity. It promotes relaxation to lie the body down. And why 18 minutes? I'm Jewish. 18 is an auspicious number in Judaism. It's also like a little less than 20. So I feel like, oh, that was a short nap. So I have a really soft alarm. Uh, sometimes I have gotten to the point where I just wake up and know that it's 18 minutes. It brings us into a gentle sleep. You're not going, if you go for an hour, you will hit deep sleep and then you will feel groggy and have a sleep hangover. We don't want that. We don't want you waking up that way. But the 18 minute nap kind of is this lovely reset for the nervous system. Even if you don't fall asleep and you just close your eyes, it's a beautiful way to connect to your body. Why not stretch while you're doing that? I mean, there's all manner of ways that you can take that nap into something that stimulates you and kind of moves you and grooves you and gives you a better sense of the day. Love that so much. Now I want to talk about the thing that I kind of mentioned at the very beginning, and that is many of us are scared of experiencing our full range of feelings. In fact, super psyched is not just about being super psyched. It's about being super connected to our psyche. It could mean that I'm super happy and able to feel the joy that sometimes gets clowned on. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the guy watching the double rainbows and he's tripping out like a double rainbows. It's so beautiful. He's in a state of awe, but it got so clowned on that even South Park made fun of it. I think that we have trouble experiencing full joy. And I also, in super psyched, believe that we need to experience our full sadness. The other day I dropped off my kid at college and my younger son, just a clown on me because I was so sad, was in charge of the playlist and he played Freebird. And I'm just, I'm like ugly crying while I'm driving. I'm like, he is as free as a bird now. And 
being super psyched does not just mean being super happy. It means being super in touch with our feelings and basically seeing the full range of color that is life. One of the things that may get clowned on is what you do, with this, which is incurring bliss through dance. And some people may roll their eyes. I'm wondering, how would you, if you were a lawyer representing bliss, <laughs> what, would the, what case might you create? I'll say this. Bliss is the opposite of cool. And cool, the idea of being cool is BS. It, it doesn't work. The idea of being cool, and by cool, I mean holding back. By cool, I mean posturing. By cool, I mean living in a world where you have to kind of put on some type of mask when you get out of the house is not okay. So bliss, and I was actually going to call it dancing the sublime when I developed it about 25 years ago, but that's not a word that's well known and well used. If we can get away from cool and come into full expression of being, we're kinder people. I say this to the, I say this to the room of all the lawyers and all the people who might disagree and clown on it. And by the way, I love being clowned on. That, that is great. To me, it's about, I have known and will know the full expression of sadness. I feel things deeply. But to be able to feel an ecstatic release allows us to be more creative, allows us to see each other, allows us to feel safer, allows us to be kinder. So in a sense, it's just the antithesis of this cool kind of, I don't want to say anything bad about coolness, but the fakeness, I think that has always unfortunately disgusted me throughout my lifetime, isn't dancer bliss. And it's really great. A friend of mine who loves me very much said, you know, Rachel, I think bliss is a dated word. And I said, yeah, it's just a word. You know, Joseph Campbell totally isn't thrilled that we're clowning on the word bliss because what was the beautiful expression? If you follow your bliss, doors will open wherever you go. Yeah, I think we should clown in it, but we can also ask ourselves, why am I being cool? Why am I being collected? It's a defense, What's, isn't it? It's a total defense. What scares me about being in my body? And I guarantee you, bliss is what Michael Jordan feels when he gets his 100%. beautiful body into that basket. And bliss is what every athlete, I hope, is feeling. And bliss is what I hope parents are feeling with their children and so on. So it, it's just a name. It's just a name. But what I can say in defense is go experience the full expression of yourself and you will be a better person. Love that. Now, I want to be clear. I'm a huge South Park fan. Trey and Matt have really informed my life. They made me laugh harder than anybody just about out there. And I do see cool as a defense. I mean, I, I appreciate cool. Don't get me wrong. I, I some, see something really cool like Eddie Vedder on stage looking super cool. And he is able to feel bliss and he is able to feel the full range of emotions. You can see his broken heart and he can be cool. So I just care about range. Can we experience range in this lifetime would be the big thing. And I'm really glad that you are willing to go there. And I think that more people midwifing us into bliss will be helpful. Not the phony, saccharine kind, certainly not the toxic, positive kind, like, you know, just like turn that frown upside down kind of mentality. You know, feel what you're feeling. And if you're feeling bliss, freaking bring it. I also want to be clear that in my workshops, I've always got someone who's fresh, freshly dealing with loss and grief. We've had moms who've lost kids to suicide. We've had beautiful spouses who've just lost a spouse. We have people going through divorce. And so the name is just a name. I'm actually changing the website to being rachelfleischman.com because it's just one of the classes I teach, but it is my signature class and it's been around a while. 
And as a, no disrespect to my ancestors, but as a Russian Jew, I come from a culture that feels deeply the, the classical music and musicianship and pain of the world. So it's all things. It's touching the heart of the greatest of pains and it's touching the heart of the greatest of joys. Love that so much. Can you tell me about perhaps a client who was out of touch with his or her body or their bodies and you help them become more embodied and what were the results of doing so? What might you have even helped the person do, especially if they, like me, kind of, I often quote that James Joyce quote, something akin to Mr. Smith lived a short distance from his body. That's me to a T. It's funny, uh, in terms of feelings, I'm not alexithymic, but in terms of my own body, uh, alexithymic, which means the inability to articulate one's emotions. But I cannot really describe the phenomena that are going on inside my body as well as I'd like, let alone feel like, yeah, I can throw a football really far, but I can't. (laughs) I don't really. Anyway, uh, can you tell me about a client, obviously not revealing any confidential information about that person who you helped midwife a better mind-body connection to and what the results were like? Oh, gosh, I have so many wonderful people who are coming to mind. First, I'd like to tell you about a student Sometimes when I teach, I'm looking around and I'm scanning the room and I'm scanning and I'm I'm an amazing person who can feel the energy in a room and sort of help change it if I need to change the music, if I need to change the groove. And there was this one guy who I was like, oh my God, he's bored. He's bored. He's not really moving that into it. He's, you know, there's not a lot going on. He's so bored. He can't wait for this (laughs) to end. And at the end of the class, Adam's laughing. And at the end of the class... He walked up to me, guy in his 50s, white guy, kind of Clint Eastwood, tough looking. And he was crying and he said, I'm a vet. I'm a Vietnam vet. And I have stopped feeling. I have been without feeling for so many years. And this is the first time I felt in decades. And so what I believed was, oh, he's not into it. He's not into it. Was This was his range. His range was small. And that was beautiful for him. That was incredible for him. With clients, I have helped so many that came out. Yeah, so many people. And I feel really grateful for that. What comes to mind is sitting with a client who just looked so tense and was someone who was extremely successful and very much a perfectionist, very much that way, and helping her sort of understand that she lived in a body that wasn't just about beauty and athleticism and perfect shape and all that, but that she could access a feeling state in her shoulders, that she could access what was happening in her tummy when she was feeling a certain way with people or at work or in our work. And seeing her perfectionism change, because perfectionism is the death of creativity. For Absolutely. Sure. For sure. To me, I it suffer is. from it bad. But... And I have no perfectionism in me. So I'm, I'm very blessed with being kind of a slapdash, messy. Are you serious? You yeah. actually have no? no. Wow. That's not weird. at all. Not at all. I eat what I want to eat and I love it. Anyway, I could go on and on. That's fantastic. <laughs> so you and I talked about the possibility of me doing something a little bit odd. And that is you actually yes. doing something yes. with me. I'm a little scared. Yes. I will say to the audience straight up who's listening right now, one of my things is, you know, I've actually been in plays. I actually played Conrad Purdy in high school and had to dance on stage in tight lame pants and got all kinds of crap for that, as you can only imagine. But right. we're going to do something. I'm still very self-conscious when it comes to dance or moving my body. But let's see what we're, let's see what, what are we about to do here, right Rachel? On. What do you got? Right on. Oh, God, where do I even begin? Tell me what 
felt amazing about, just for a second, about throwing a football? You were, yeah, just tell me a moment about a sport, a moment that felt great, the experience. Sure. I cultivated an arm to throw a football far and accurately. I was not in any way a serious football player, but I love playing catch and I love going long and I feel a lot of pride in my arm. And I was always hoping that I would not lose my arm before I had children. I wanted my children to know that their daddy had a good arm and thankfully they do. And it's still online and that feels really cool. So I feel good in my body as a football thrower and catcher. I love throwing and catching a football. I, I could do that just all day. And what's a workout? Thank you. And what's a workout that you love? You're, you're fit humans. You love lifting. Do you love pull-ups, chin-ups? Love's a strong word. What's a workout routine that you, that's a go-to for you? Sure. My very favorite workout, and I haven't done it sadly in years, is long distance cycling. I used to train for the AIDS rides. I did it three years in a row and do these century rides throughout Marin that were so beautiful. And, you know, at mile 50, you're like, wow, I still got 50 to go. But I, I got a lot of gas in the tank. Let's do this. And at the end, I'd go out to dinner knowing that I was feeding my muscles. I could eat whatever the hell I wanted. That felt amazing. That was mm. the best feel. Mm. Actually, not far from your office, I'd often eat over at a place called the Sausage Factory on the Castro. Hilariously named the Sausage Factory. Amazing, but yes. fantastic. Yes. Well, let's just start. So, and I think for the listener, will you join us? Will you hang with us, listener? I want to start by just noticing that Adam's in a great chair. I'm on the best sofa ever. And what I start to want to do as kind of a wiggly person is just wiggle my shoulders. So I just want to ask you like, Adam, something probably feels tight because we're human. Your timing is so interesting. I have a weird temporary condition in one of my shoulders okay. caused by my C6 called, you're not moving, I believe this, called radiculopathy. And it's basically sciatica in the shoulder because of Ooh. a compressed disc. So it's so, it's like my left arm is like really, yeah. really vibey and uh, it feels like it's half asleep. Is it nervy? So it's, it's nervy. A little nervy. It's a nervy but, feeling. Okay. But, but okay. I'm, but I'm digging this and I okay. can totally do this kind of like Mike Myers on sprockets. Oh, it's a sprockets. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part where we dance. Sprockets. Yeah, that's how we dance. How's the sprockets dance? So I just want to wiggle my shoulders a little bit too. And then I just kind of want to yawn them out, like just lift the arms a little bit. They just kind of make it a stretch. Like, Adam, let's stretch. Let's get like, you know, I always joke I'm five foot four. And when I do this with my six foot four client, I'm almost as tall as he is because he's so and he's a professional athlete, but he's not embodied until he's, you know, leaves the session each week and then he is embodied. So Adam's standing up and I want you to stretch and I want you to be eight feet tall. You're a tall human. You've been blessed with that. That's great. It doesn't matter. Barishnikov is Barishnikov's a famous ballet dancer for the younger audience, but Barishnikov's five foot five. Get out of here. Misty Copeland, a very famous ballerina, known. is five foot one. And I, the famous Rachel Fleischman, am five <laughs> foot four. And no one knows that because I stand so tall. So stand up, stretch a little bit. I'm doing it. And really stretch and really lift. And then the other thing I really want you to do, you have shoes on and I'm in bare feet, is I want you to feel your feet really rooted into the earth, man. I want you to just be like, yeah, my feet are just, yeah, take the shoes off. Like you got 10 toes. You got all 10, right? All 10. Okay. You're so lucky. So I want you to spread your feet out like a little animal. Like you got all 10 toes. Ooh, yeah. That's so cool. So just spread the feet out and spread the fingers out. So these are our end zones. These are, our, sorry to be a little naughty because we stay PG. But these are the parts of the body with the most nerve endings, the hands, the feet, the face, and the pelvic floor. That's right. I've listened to your talks on 
sex and sexuality. So the hands, the feet, the face, and the juicy, delicious pelvic floor, those are our parts that have the most nerve endings. So why not wake them all up by opening the endpoints? So he's standing kind of like open, like when you would make angels in the snow, like a starfish. And I want you to open all your endpoints, Adam. I just want you to open them, open them, open them. And I want you to open the fingers and I want you to open the toes and I want you to open the mouth. And it's okay if you want. I just want to open everything. And now I'm going to surprise you by having you tighten everything like a little tiny little prune face and just tighten your little toes and tighten it. I can't do it without making these noises and tighten everything. And he's tightening. And this man who's very tall is now little and he's tightening and tightening and tightening until you're actually shaking five, four, three, two, and let it all go. And just release that. And now I just want you to stand like you're standing. And I want you to let your arms kind of hang by your sides with your palms facing out. And I want you to lift out like you just, mm, you're just, all the sun is shining right here on Dr. Adam Dorsey. All the sun is shining on that shoulder. All the sun is shining on you. And just let your body lift and just feel that. Now I want you to soften the shoulders. Be like, yeah, yeah, there it is. And just feel that. And again, grounding down in the feet, imagining that you are in warm Caribbean water, just up to your belly button just up to your navel and there's sand under your feet. So your feet are kind of melting a little bit down there into the, mm -hmm, so a little bit grounded in the feet. And now you got a horsetail at the base of your spine. So your spine is kind of rooted down. Your spine is just rooted down. And then you got that nice lotus flower at your heart. Easy body. And then you just breathe up through the back body. Think of it as kind of like Qigong. I feel like my men clients can kind of, sorry dudes, I don't mean to generalize but I feel like they can hear about Qigong and be like, okay, I can, I can relate. So just take that and soften your shoulders a little more and just feel into your body. This body that does so many amazing things. Root into the feet and just feel like a million bucks. You've got this day. You know, part of it is you've got this day, this magical, incredible day. And then if I said to Adam, if I brought on the language of fear or if I brought on the language of anger, those are different, you know, shapes that the body makes. And I can see that in all of my clients and I never shame them by naming it, but I just help them find ways to feel more embodied. So how do you feel, Adam? Tell the listeners, how do you feel? How's that? Yeah. Like again, that, right felt that felt amazing. That's something I would like to replicate. It's something I would endorse that people do. I'm thinking a little bit about Amy Cuddy and the idea of, you know, body power poses Wonder that we can woman. really engage yeah. in. I, I'm really a big fan of getting yourself ready for whatever it is that you're doing, particularly between transitions, yes. which are so hard for humans in general. And this is a really good thing to do before you go home, perhaps at work or when you do get home. Think about Mr. Rogers, who's from PA, your home state, and how he would change his shoes and change yes. his sweater. This is something that we can do in about five minutes or less. And really, I like the idea of stretching out, really, really kind of, kind of closing down for a second, then opening up again and experiencing that range I feel really good. I feel very energized and more centered. It was like a really sweet, calming cup of something mm. slightly caffeinated, mm. but without the jitters. That's right, without the jitters. And the word that comes to me, and there's almost a visual ASMR in watching Mr. Rogers change his shoes That's right. into the plimsolls, they're called, that he puts on and zip up that sweater. The zipping up of the sweater, is it's official. I'm officially home. So I would ask people because transitions are so hard and I start my day really early with clients and I'm very awake for them. But what they don't know is I don't wake up and bounce out of bed, Adam. I get up early, but I'm kind of whining. It's not feeling great. So I have to trick. I have to use hacks. I have to use 
all of the body-centered psychotherapies that I know. Because guess what, Adam? I'm allergic to caffeine. Not like an allergy. I'm sensitive to caffeine is a more Mm -hmm. more appropriate way of saying it. So my sad sack of a self loves to move and feel energized, but I don't get the kick of caffeine. I practice these ways of just sitting. Sometimes too, when I'm with clients, because I deal with some back stuff, I just find this great lift in my spine. And I've been able to fool myself beautifully, my nervous system, into feeling my full life force. I've also dealt with some chronic pain. And when I I had six months last year where I wasn't able to dance, that was awful. But I found ways to work with my feet. When my father was dying, he said that he pictured himself practicing Tai Chi. He couldn't do it, but he pictured it. He had visualizations and it it incurred probably some physiological benefit. Absolutely. The brain doesn't know the difference. That's so great. Yeah. And that seems to be corroborated by a lot of the work out of UC San Diego by various neurophysiologists. It's really interesting. Let's talk for a second. I've heard you say something that I love so much. I know that gratitude and anxiety have a difficult time coexisting, but you've also acknowledged that rituals and anxiety have a difficult time coexisting. And one of the things that you've also done to great effect, it sounds like, is your hack of just moving forward, even if you don't feel like doing it, is almost ritualistic. You just go and get it done. So I'm just, one, I guess, as a two-pronged question about rituals and anxiety and reducing it and rituals and automating our behaviors for our desired outcomes. Love it. Oh, anxiety. We could write poetry forever. Well, the good news is anxiety is the most treatable. I mean, we say, we say to patients when they walk in, anxiety is the most treatable of the emotional you know, challenges, but boy, it can take a minute. It can really fool us. Anxiety loves to fool us and it does affect our digestive system and it just brings everything into tightness. So what ritual does is it takes habit and it makes it kind of holy. So one of the things that we can do with anxiety is bring curiosity into the room. Anxiety and curiosity don't live in the same body. As soon as we're experiencing curiosity and gratitude, we can hack that anxiety. So when I was dealing with a panic attack in my early 20s and I got on a bus and I thought, I'm going to have to leave this bus. I'll whatever we think when we're having a panic attack, right? I won't be able to tolerate this. And I sat next to a woman, she looked lonely, and I just started talking to her. Mm -hmm. And we talked for the whole 25 minute bus ride. Mm -hmm. I think that anxiety didn't last but a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. So I say to, let's talk about the anxious part and then I'll talk about desired outcome because I love talking about that. I say to anxiety, stop fooling everyone. Stop telling us a story that's not true. So the first thing I say is intellectual, and then we'll talk about the body. The first thing is, don't believe everything you think. Mm-hmm. Please, please. It's like Anne Lamott, the writer, says, my mind is like a bad neighborhood. I try never to go there alone. Love that one. My mind is very much <laughs> a rough neighborhood. So don't believe everything you're thinking, and then change the channel. Get out of the house if you can. The bird song is here. Anxiety also makes us very myopic, mm-hmm. as depression does. Nothing else exists except us in the pain. I love sitting with clients. And even in one session, we can really reduce anxiety. I'm not, again, trying to sound like I have hubris by reminding, reminding people of all the things that they can do to recognize it's lying to you. It's lying to you. It's not accurate. And one of the things that we can do, of course, is be in our body. And if we're feeling too unwell for that, right, there's a certain 
place where it's time for medicine. Of course, whenever I speak about this, you know, on podcasts or with clients, I say, I want to know how much this is affecting you. Because in no way am I saying, just dance your bliss <laughs> and everything will be great. Heck no. If you're at a certain point, and you're really struggling. You see a doctor and you get assessed, of course. I want to talk about desired outcomes. As someone who goes in and out of depression and anxiety since I was 16, mm. I mean, talk about fake it till you make it. Yeah. I'm so lucky because when I teach, I get to just feel in my life force because I love teaching. When I get to be with my clients, I love it so much. But when I'm in a spin, let's start with a depressed spin. Get out of where you are. Literally put shoes on and get out of the house. When I had s severe seasonal depression in Philadelphia, I slept with a sports bra on and the whole running outfit on. And I'd get up before the sunrise and I would run. I had no opportunity not to run. The outfit was on. And once I got out there, I mean, the hardest thing was the getting up and the out of bed in that cold Philadelphia winter. It was so cold. Putting on all the coats and then coming home sweaty, peeling off the layers and feeling I did that. So first of all, know you're amazing. The fact that you have some level of depression or anxiety, I just needed to take a deep breath mm -hmm. there. It just means you care, right? And that your brain's been lying to you. So there are a lot of things that we can do. Amy Cuddy's work is wonderful. I also feel like we know that. We know that Wonder Woman, Wonder Man pose. We have that. Notice how you're sitting. Notice what your body is saying. Fake it till you make it. So when I'm walking to work and I'm feeling that exhaustion, or maybe I'm feeling particularly just low that day. I'm listening to the bird song. I'm looking at the people around me and I'm making eye contact. And if I go into Walgreens to get all the fluffy tissues for the office, for my patients, I am always, especially if I'm feeling depressed, I'm always having a conversation with the clerk and the security guard. And it's not just BS, Adam. It's real. Yeah. It's real human contact. That gets me out of my own way. And totally. it will do that for your listeners. I promise. I'm also a schmoozer and I do believe in getting out of my own head and just connecting with somebody who might be a stranger, totally safe. You can just say, hey, how you doing? Or something even beyond like, you're rocking that, you're rocking that outfit, whatever it is. And lo and behold, a meaningful exchange that is authentic occurs. Yes. And rather than just being quiet and transactional, you know, we both leave with feelings of oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, the whole good gamut of good feelings. Let's just, let's do this. Yes. I love that idea so much. And I love the idea of making it easy for ourselves to do the things that are hard. And the first several minutes of a workout always suck, no matter what. It's getting rid of those cobwebs. I remember when I used to do long distance cycling, when you were describing going out with your sports attire, being ready in this very unwelcoming Philadelphia cold and returning home so grateful that you powered through that fake it till you make it fake it till you become it that whole idea of just getting yourself to do what you don't want to do to get what you want to get is such an important prefrontal function and it will yield great rewards so grateful that you brought that up is there anything I haven't asked that I should have asked before my big miracle question sure I think if we can be curious about our amazing bodies, oh my gosh, the mystery, the magic, the, we have 32 vertebrae and 32 teeth. Fascinating. Totally. Fascinating. The fact that we have eyes, the fact that we can, you know, they chew things with these teeth, hopefully. You know, the fact that we have 26 bones in the feet and that we can stand on our first two toes and 
if we want to do ballet, the fact that at 50 or 49 during the pandemic, I became obsessed with ballet and now get private lessons from a teacher at Joffrey. I take classes three times a week on Zoom. I got a bar. Don't believe the lies that you've heard about your body. Because I think there's a lot of cruelty we give ourselves about our shape. We live in a world where we're obsessed with, we'll always be obsessed with beauty. I think it's getting a little better for the younger generation. There seems to be a little more pride around difference. If you can be kind to your body, that'd be amazing. And if you can forgive yourself for whatever stories that you've had, or maybe ways that you've injured your body, or maybe ways that you've mistreated it, that would just blow my mind and make me so happy. I feel obsessed also that people can know in the chronic pain that you might feel, there are amazing stretches that you can do and that I want people to learn about pain psychology. Please don't expect that if you've had pain, it will be there all the time. You start to expect it and you start to brace for it and you start to tighten and that creates the pain. Brilliant. And it's almost like that pain times resistance equals suffering. Somebody who I know you love, Tara Brock talks about. Well, my friend, my miracle question and let's go there. Rachel Fleischman, if you had the ability, the magical abilities to confer upon all humanity, one insight or behavior that would dramatically improve the lives of the individuals and perhaps society at large, all of the stakeholders around those individuals, what would that insight or behavior be? And what do you imagine the impact would be on the individuals as well as society at large, perhaps? Kindness and curiosity. If you can practice kindness 30% more, 20% more, they go together. If you can be curious about the world, if you can be curious about that person you judge, you can still judge them, you're human, be curious about them. If you can practice kindness, if we all can practice, I am not being saccharine, Adam, really, you know, mind your purse, watch your wallet. I'm not saying give it all away, but if you can be kind and curious, look what can happen. On the governmental level, look what can happen on the environmental level. Look what can happen interpersonally. Look what can happen on the spiritual level, the economic fronts. If we can practice kindness, that'd just be so beautiful. And I think we are. I think that's getting better. And curiosity, by the way, again, fear doesn't live with curiosity and depression doesn't. So be curious. You know, look at a child. They do curiosity really well. We have it in us. Those two ingredients are life-changing. Love that so much. One of my favorite axioms is get curious, not furious. Furious exists in the amygdala, the anger and fear parts of our brain. And the curiosity, I believe, occurs more in the prefrontal where we can actually bring forth some of our most intentional activities. And it's a great, great little hack. And I wouldn't even call it little in terms of it's something that we can do but the ROI associated with doing it is so massive, Rachel, making that, I mean, we all judge. Yeah. And if we can just maybe emancipate ourselves from that just for a moment and get into the curious of like, huh, I wonder, wonder why that person is doing that. You know, perhaps they're having a bad day. I'm on board. (laughs) Rachel, I've been looking forward to this interview and you've totally over-delivered as I expected you would. Thank you for blessing my listeners with your wisdom and your kindness and everything that you bring in your body and your brain to the four that you give to the planet. You're just phenomenal. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Adam. I really enjoyed it. 
This is Dr. Adam Dorsey thanking you for listening to Super Psyched. If you know anyone who might like it or who might benefit from listening, share it. And if you like the episode, please hit subscribe.